Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome. Welcome. My name is River, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. My co-leader here is Jackie. The topic we are sharing on is mixed meetings. Please turn off electronics, and please do not record any of this session. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this session is recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. If you do not wish to be recorded but need to share, we encourage you to attend another non-recorded meeting. Please do not touch the recording equipment. If you want to share, come up to the front and sit next to us to use the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table and don't touch it because it makes noise on the recording. Thank you. Let's begin with a moment of silence for all those still suffering or unable to to attend a meeting, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Again, our topic is mixed meetings. We will share for five or six minutes about how this topic applies in our lives. Then we will open up the meeting for all those to sh- others to share. You will have two minutes to share uh, before our friend Michelle calls time. And so Jackie has agreed to begin the shares. Oops. Hi, I'm Jackie. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, and uh, I'm a sexaholic from Holland. My sobriety date is uh, January 4, 2010. Um, topic, mixed meetings. I would like to start with a reading from the White Book. You know, it's uh, page 178 and says mixed meetings. And this is a small part of the, of the reading. Uh, what we tend to forget is that our drug is not really out there in another person, but within our own hearts and minds. It is this fact that makes our program so all-encompassing, regardless of whether we're in a meeting, outside on the street, or in a closet praying. Our problem is lust misplaced dependency, and defective attitudes. What a better place to work on overcoming temptation than the sanctuary of a meeting where temptations may be present. This is where we can bring temptation to the light, talk about it, and work through it without having to lust, sexualize, or go into dependency, anger, or rebellion. The meeting is the crucible in where our recovery can be safely tested and purified. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> now I'm getting nervous. <laughs> uh, gosh, uh, I, I, I love, I really love this part as many other parts in the big book. 
but I know this is this is a very uh, topic about having women's only meeting or men only meeting. Um, to be honest, I know that I came in frightened and terrified in the meeting, and it's not only the fact because I'm a woman. I have seen also men come in terrified for their first meeting. So it's it's not just a woman's problem or a men's problem. It is a problem that we have when we come into the fellowship, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, without knowing it at that moment, it is straight away, as the reading says, you know, it's an opportunity for me to straight away start surrendering my lust. My date is not in that room, you know, and that date could be another woman or another man, you know, so I have to start working my program straight away that, you know, what I've been doing in the past, I want to stop doing that in the future. You know, so that's, um, that's for me, uh, that has been, um, a huge change, as it says here, a change in attitude in how I approached men from the past. You know, I'd be emotionally dependent on them. Um, I'd want to touch them, you know, be close to them. Oh, you know, they'd be a little bit my daddy, my boyfriend. Um, and I choose not to do that anymore, you know. Um, I learn how to do that. It's uncomfortable in the beginning. It's really uncomfortable not doing that, not having those behaviors anymore. You know, I have to learn to set my own boundaries. Uh, what's healthy for me? You know, do I, do I give somebody a handshake or do I hug them? You know, somebody who doesn't know comes enthusiastic to me, wants to give me a hug. I don't want that. You know, that's setting my own boundaries. Um, and, and the other one is, is, uh, um, the codependency. Um, and that, that became very, very clear for me, um, where I, uh, where I, um, well, not where I live, but we, we had in a neighbor country, we had, um, quite regularly smaller workshops or what we also call conventions, but they'd be like 30, 60 people. For, uh, uh, and, um, in the very first years, there would be no other woman and I would be the only woman there. Um, I had to really take care of myself. Uh, one, I don't want, want to hear other men's shares on lust that they want to surrender because that means either it sticks to me, you know, and I don't have my, my resources to, 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 uh, to, uh, let go of that. But the other one was that, you know, I, uh, I had to deal with my uh, codependency that, you know, after a meeting when, when the men would be chatting with each other and, um, I would feel so alone that nobody's coming up talking to me. Poor me. Poor me. And I had to really work on that. And I, I had my, my sponsors that gave me some really good suggestions, you know, that it's not, you know, whether, well, I'm, I'm referring to them. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to say it. if people, let me say that in general, if people choose to talk to me or not, um, that's up to them. But it's what do I do? Do I start clinging on to other people? Because I feel lonely. I feel uncomfortable. Um, I'm not being present. I'm, I'm using other people in a different way. You know, and that feels really uncomfortable. I don't like it when somebody does it to me. I feel, you know, start to get that 
feeling inside reactivity. Um, so, so that is their feeling standing there, feeling uncomfortable, getting uncomfortable and feeling uncomfortable and praying, you know, praying to my higher power too. And, um, I'm just thinking, see, looking at the time, I think it's, uh, and, um, you know, so, so for me, uh, this is, this is also very, very important. What my sponsor has, has said to me, you stick to the mixed meetings because you never know when the next woman comes in and she sees you sitting there. And I have had that experience that uh, a woman who came into the meeting, she said, if I had not seen you in the meeting, I would not have gone to SA and she's still with us today, you know? So that's why. I've had to work through my stuff, and that's why I'm sticking to what my sponsor said. But I also get it in a healthy way, a relationship with other men. And what helps me? Doing service. I get to focus on something doing service, but at the same time, I learn healthy behaviors. And I'll keep it to that. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. My name's River. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, River. Um, I wanted to share this other little piece <clears throat> from the mixed meeting session that says, considering what we are, reason might seem to individuals that we segregate to protect ourselves or so that we might have greater freedom of expressing our unique problems and concerns. And uh, it reminds me of my problem of... Um, what do they call it, terminal uniqueness, um, and how tempting it is to buy into that belief that I need to be with people like me in order to recover. And uh, it goes on to say that uh, we have found the opposite to be true. In the long run, it has proven better for us uh, to be together. And I certainly have experienced that this weekend. Um, for me, there's just not nothing like the amazing connection I feel with all People in recovery, you know, even the S and Ons, you know, that's uh, what I was going to say, you know. But anyway, these are these are new frontiers for me, really. These are the new frontiers. Um, coming uh, to a meeting that was predominantly male in my um, home city of Kansas City um, was more comfortable for me than coming to an all women's meeting. Um, and so I'm grateful for both, really. Uh, I need the mixed meetings. I um, also really benefit from learning how to relate to males in a healthy way that's not dependent, that I don't cower, um, and where I can learn really how to open my heart to a man without the expectation that I'm going to owe them something. And so, I don't know, that was a confusion for me early on that if I if I cared about him, I had to give him something. That is just weird. Anyway, it got all twisted up. And um, I also... Um, got to work through my emotional sobriety in the rooms of men. We just got done having the emotional uh, living life, emotionally sober meeting, and it reminded me of um, how many men in recovery I have really just lamb-blasted with my anger towards men, my anger in general, 
Yes, my anger in general. It's in here, not out there. It's not the men. <laughs> but I do have some triggers in there still, you know, that seem to come in the form of male. And, um, but you know what? They, they didn't, um, belittle me for it. They didn't hate me. They said, you know, keep coming back. Uh, they, they, they were still my friend, even though I was so cruel to them publicly in front of other people. And, um, I need those opportunities of growing up in public with my peers of all genders, you know, all people. So I really, um, appreciate having mixed meetings since that is the topic. But I was noticing as I was getting ready to share, um, I don't know what it is, but I just am still working through my, um, how I feel about um, relating to women in the program. Uh, it has gotten so much better. Um, so I appreciate this opportunity to come together with other women to talk about your experience of what it was like for you coming into a program that is seen as primarily a man's problem, I guess, and um, learn how to listen to you too. I'm so grateful that um, I have a friend in the program in Kansas City now, so I'm not you know, one woman in a room of 30 men. <laughs> and so I'm really starting to appreciate um, and value uh, women's input. Um, so I, I sometimes I almost feel sorry for the guys who don't have this opportunity to know what it's like. Um, and I think we really uh, benefit from being in this position. But I think that there will come a time when there isn't this imbalance in the genders in our program. And that's encouraging to me to think of myself as a pioneer. I'm a pioneer woman, you know. And um, it really helps to create a bond with other women who have the guts to stick this thing out. I talked to a woman from another program because men are men are seeing that I'm sticking around and maybe I can reach out my hand to women in their city. Um, so when they get a call, sometimes I speak to a woman who's called in to another city because there are no women in recovery in these large cities. <laughs> and um, they'll share stories like, yeah, when I called the guy on the hotline, he said, well, you can come to a meeting, but you're probably going to feel really uncomfortable because there are no other women there. And so, you know, I just think we have such a long ways to go to um, really represent or, you know, alter the culture of the environment around here. And, I mean, given where we are culturally, I guess it's not that surprising. But I do see that there's been a huge improvement. In Kansas City, we recently had a meeting. I think there were five or six women there. So it's changing. It's definitely changing. So anyway, with that, all I, that's all I have to share. I'll pass. You now have the opportunity to share with the group. Please focus on the topic of the meeting, mixed meetings. Like sharing in any essay meeting, please limit your sharing to the topic, avoiding explicit description or distracting comments and focusing on the solution rather than the problem. Please do not share anything that legally would have to be reported to the authorities. And please line up here to our left so that we don't have to wait for each person to come up. 
please speak loud enough for all to hear, and you'll each have two minutes to share. And it's time for you to come up now and share. (laughs) Hi, my name is Amanda, and I'm a sexaholic. And I did not want to come to SA because I was terrified of being in a room full of men. Um, I thought that was going to give me, you know, more qualifiers and more opportunities to act out. And I actually uh, went to a women's meeting, and it was for women only. And um, the the leader told me how she went to mixed meetings and how it would help be help very helpful and things like that. And I was so glad that I went because um, I learned how to be friends with men without, you know, lusting after them. And uh, for the first time in my life, I was treated with respect. And the men just really were welcoming to me. And uh, they said to me that they were glad I was there. Um, one of the men told me that my shares really uh, changed their life and helped them a lot. And they were reaching out to me, and I was reaching out to them. And and I started calling them and, you know, talking to them on the phone. And, um, you know, we set up boundaries, and, and they would say, there are some things I can't check in with you, you know, and, and things I didn't check in with them. But just having that friendship for the first time in my life really um, – changed my life because I learned how to love myself because the men that I met were treating me with respect and treating me the way I should be treated because I couldn't treat myself that way. So that was just something that I learned and I'm so glad that there's mixed meetings and, but I'm also like so happy I met all of you because, you know, there's not very many of us. In the, in the meetings, and so I think we all need to stick together. Thanks, that's all I have. I pass. Hi, I'm Farid. I'm recovering sexaholic. Hi, it's Friday date, August 16, 2009. Um, so I was just remembering, okay, just remembering um, when I first, first came, I didn't want, I live in Brooklyn. I was like, I don't want to go to Brooklyn because I I might know people. Right. So I went to Manhattan and, um, I was so scared and I was the only, Oh no, it's not. uh, I'm trying to think if there was, there was a lady in a wheelchair or something. I don't know. Anyway. So, um, but the, the point was, is I remember going there and afterwards they actually said like they opened it up for, if anybody has any questions, they recognized that I was a newcomer. And I said, well, isn't it a problem? Like, aren't I the problem? Like, I'm a woman. Like, aren't I the problem? And it was a really beautiful thing and a gift that they gave me and said, no, actually, like, you are helping us. That's, like, what, uh, similar to a previous share is, like, you're, you're helping us because we get to see you as a human being. And part of this, this disease is actually objectifying each other. And here we become, you know, whole with each other. And what a gift that was. And, you know, eventually I had this, like, huge, 
Actually, what ended up happening is my ex-husband killed himself. That's actually what happened. And then I was like, screw that. I'm going to Brooklyn because it was closer. So it's kind of like took that to like get me to go to like where I live because it's like at that point, I didn't even care that much. I just needed to like recover and get better. And it was really um, something. And I walked into a room full of men and it was also religious men. And I remember sometimes some of them didn't want to hold my hand. Whatever, like, I've totally, like, and my sponsor said, well, then you just, I could get the idea to just be grateful that I'm here and that a meeting exists. And it was like, well, get to the point where you don't even, you know, that, that you, you like it. I forget now. I don't even remember what she said to me, but it was like so cool because it's like now every single time it's like, I'm like, thank you, God, that a meeting exists and it's a mixed meeting and, and I could come in here. Oh, and I also want to say that, you know, in one of my first meetings, I didn't know how to act. Oh, it's too bad. Anyway, so I just, I'll say really, really quickly, it's really quickly, is that um, I also was acting kind of cutesy because I didn't know how to relate, right? And it was a very sobering experience. Unfortunately, it came from an old timer and he had to make amends to me afterwards. But it was also really important for me to know, like for women to support each other that, you know, to act appropriately in, in the meetings because I didn't know how to do that. I was like all cutesy and it wasn't, I wasn't trying to do harm, but it's like, but um, so that was it. And, and today, these are my brothers in recovery and I absolutely love them and I could have face-to-face um, you know soulful conversations and I'm so blessed thank you thank you hi I'm Michelle grateful sexaholic um, I first came into the program about eight and a half months ago and my first meeting I just cried I was the only woman there um, two men took me out for my first step um, One said some triggering things, but that did not turn me off of the meetings. Um, I knew that I was in such a sick place that anybody could have been sitting in that room with me, and I still kept coming back. Um, That is now my home group. Um, And I have, I I go to three or four different meetings a week. Um, My Saturday morning group has seen me erupt in tears um, a few times and I feel lucky that I have a room uh, mostly full of men that I can be completely vulnerable with and it actually does them good I've had you know people say we've never seen it from that perspective you know thank you for sharing with us Um, that makes me feel like I'm actually bringing something to the group um, instead of just trying to soak it all in for myself um it's so losing my losing losing my cool in a meeting is my way of service work um (laughs) giving back to the community um and um my home group um, my monday night group um they are like my brothers now um there are still things that i will not bring up in mixed meetings um, for fear that it will trigger others and um, being lusted after is my thing. So if it triggers them, then it's sure going to trigger me. Um, but that is what I have a sponsor for. So um, I am really excited to see all of you guys. Um, River and I and a couple of other ladies are in Kansas City and um, seeing this many being able to admit their addiction and do something about it is very empowering for me. Thank you for your time. Hi, I'm Suzanne. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Suzanne, Suzanne. And uh, 
I remember my uh, first meeting. Uh, we have a weekly open meeting designed for newcomers. And uh, at the time, it was in a drug rehab center in a seedy part of town. Fortunately, they don't do that anymore. But <laughs> um, So I walk in, and it's only men. And uh, um, I knew that I'd have to talk to a couple of the men before uh, I could go to closed meetings. And, of course, already, though, as I'm – at first, as I was listening, I was totally freaked out because some of them had done things that, you know, I hadn't even thought about. So I'm like, ah, oh, get me out of here. But fortunately, they started talking about things I could relate to, like double life and things like that. So by the end of the meeting, I was ready to say I want to go to a closed meeting. But then there was a debate about who was allowed to, to you know, have that kind of personal interaction with me because some of them had agreed with their wives that they wouldn't do that. So I'm like, oh, thank you. But fortunately, you know, a couple of guys were available. And they told me to go to to the Saturday morning meeting because there were women there. And, uh, of course, the this was at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, ugh. But... I went, and uh, and my sponsor was big on mixed meetings, so she really helped me understand how valuable it was, what service we are to the men, um, and how they can help us. Again, the whole thing of learning to treat each other as human beings and not objects of lust. And, uh, and I too like to say that, that, um, I have a band of brothers now. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, different men behave differently, um, in meetings, but I have to say our meetings are very protective. I have, I've never been hit on at a meeting, but I know a woman that has been. And I watched the brothers, uh, surround her and escort him out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it it can be done, and we can see each other as brother and sister. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Hi, I'm Nicole, sexaholic, um, sober, 9-11-15. Um, I just want to share my experience at my, uh, well, I guess what everyone thought was my first meeting, but I was too scared to tell them it was my second, because um, it was a very large meeting. I was one of just a couple women and about 50 men, and afterward, everyone was really enthusiastic to come welcome me, which I see now is a really awesome thing to do, a welcoming committee to come and say hi. Um, but when they were all coming at me, I was gripping the straps of my purse thinking, what the hell do they want from me? Because walking in, all I ever saw men wear were gifts, money, sex, lust. They weren't people. They were just things. Um... But my progression happened. I, it didn't scare me away because I was desperate and hopeless. I needed to be there. Whether they were there or not did not matter. Um, but a wonderful thing happened when I kept going back and I stayed sober and I started to realize that these were men in recovery. They were looking for recovery. It's kind of funny, I think, that we throw ourselves in the shark tank out there in this sea full of men, but you walk into a room full of recovering men and you're like, I don't know how to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) And it just, the progression happened to me. Eventually I graduated to handshakes, then side hugs. Then about a year into it, I was able to grab someone's phone number and just call and say, how are you doing? And now, um, like said many times before, I see 
these men as my brothers. I've shared my story with them um, vulnerably and explicitly, and it has done nothing but bring us closer together. And any, I have seen it too. Anytime there is an unsafe moment, which there are very few, um, they band together and they, because they want to see women recover as much as they want to see their brothers recover. So thank you. Thank you. I'm Summer and I'm a sexaholic. Um, I started. When I first started going to SA, I was pregnant with an affair partner. And as I went to mixed meetings and, you know, I just had this gigantic belly and I just felt like it was like all this attention, you know, everywhere I went because I think everybody's looking at me anyway. But, um, but I, a, a friend who was there, another woman who would go with me to these meetings and we would always go to lunch afterwards. And eventually she said, why do you never share? Cause I mean, it was extremely, intimidating and and I was just like oh you know my story it's just so complicated like how could I ever explain blah blah and she's like one line you say I'm pregnant by my affair partner she's like that's all you need to say every time you come in I want you to say your name and say that line and something else if you want to throw something else in there you can you know and it was amazing to me to take something so simple that just said this is the truth of who I am and kind of spread it out to them and to see, um, I, men had, men still do scare me. Um, but men had always scared me or intimidated me because it was this fear of, like, I, it was just that victim stance of what are you, what are you going to do to me? What do you need from me? What do you want? You know? And, and so to see instead them come to me, like so many people have said and thank me for it, um, and share their own experiences with that and, the women in recovery actually threw me a baby shower, which was very sweet at the time. And there was a card um, from this group of men. It was like this anonymous card from them um, with just like a little gift card inside. And still she's, I mean, my little girl's three years old now. And still there are so many of them that come to me and say, hey, how's your, how's the baby doing? How's, you know, um, and it is, it's very sweet. It's very like humanizing and just reminds me that we're all just the same mess. Thank you. Thank you so much. My name is Sylvia and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Hi, Sylvia. Uh, when I started to uh, go to meetings, I had met this gentleman at uh, an aftercare meeting, and he had told uh, his story about being a sex addict. And so I decided I wanted to go to his meeting, and I uh, made arrangements with a bunch of uh, away friends that they would go with me, and we were going to meet at this restaurant. So I went to the restaurant, and they weren't there. So I went on to the uh, meeting with the men. There were three men and myself. And I thought that was fantasy line, and it scared me. I was really scared. I prayed about it at that point. And uh, after being there a few minutes, I could see that two of the men were actually wanting to be in recovery. One was the one leading the meeting, and there was another one there who wanted the recovery, and he they were talking program. And then there was a third one who was making jokes and stuff like that, but... Uh, he never came back. Uh, 
And um, uh, after that, the girls came late, so they were all there after that. And for about six months, they came to the meetings with us, so we were not mixed meetings. But when uh, I, Jess left our city because he was a he was a very famous author at the time. The books that he wrote were books that were being read in treatment centers all the time. They were like they were self help books, um, and um, so everybody was anxious to be around him, and so they'd go to the meeting. But when he left town because his son was not in treatment any longer. They uh, they quit too, and left me with one man and myself, and uh, the one man, myself. I I uh, my uh, drug of choice was um, um, think fantasizing, riding off into the wild blue yonder with Roy Rogers on trigger, and some of you are too young to know who that is. But. <laughs> But there's one or two in here that do. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, that's my fantasy, too. <laughs> yeah, I thought you weren't going to catch that for a minute. <laughs> anyway, so we related to each other and did quite well. And... Uh, um, then we were down to the two of us, and we would pray that we weren't going to meet anymore if they didn't have some people come. We'd have some come. We'd meet for a while. They'd disappear. We'd go through the same thing. But we kept on for about two years, and then we started having some come in. I still don't have women in my meeting except for one who is not sober. She had a year of sobriety and lost it. She had a year of sobriety again, lost it, and... Um, Right now she's still coming to program, but not sober. So um, my other partner, female partner, moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and left me alone <laughs> just because she wanted to live close to her daughter. <laughs> so anyway, thanks. Hi, my name is Dee, grateful, uh, recovering sexaholic. Um, I'll stick with the topic at first, but I want to say that um, when I went into the rooms, and they, I was probably the only woman at that time, uh, I was really scared, and I, I came a little bit late, and I left like right away because I was afraid to talk to anybody. And also, they did cross-talk at the meeting, and I asked them to please don't talk to me. I said, don't ask me any questions because I need to come here or I'm going to die. But please, you know, so I knew if they asked me questions, I would be intimidated and want to leave. So I just said, please don't say. And they, they honored that, which was awesome. Um, I also went to another program um, the SLAA program, and there there was, I just felt very unsafe, and I ended up uh, never going back because there I was um, um, confronted on some things that um, I wasn't ready to deal with, and not in that kind of like shameful setting like that. It felt very shameful to me. Um, I was sober in another program, and when I was... Um, 
I knew that it worked, that program worked, and that's what gave me the courage to, to step into the essay rooms because I knew it helped me um, get sober in another program. So I believe that it would help me, and it did. At first I was acting out while I was coming to the program, but I just kept coming back, um, and eventually I got the strength I needed to um, to change my life one day at a time with God's help. Um, I also want to say that um, I was pregnant with... Um, an affair partner, and um, at that not when I was in the rooms, but I actually um, ended up getting help with counseling. But it was like a secret that no one knew. And if I would have had the rooms to make to help me through that, I think it would have been so much more powerful for me because it was like a secret that I walked around with, shameful secret for many many years. And um, so I just I think. Um, Someone for saying that. That was just really, someone knows what that feels like. So anyway, thank you for allowing me to share. Uh, hi, I'm Shelly, and I'm a sexaholic. Um I just wanted to share a bit. I, I've been at quite a few men's meetings um, in my recovery. I've been around 12-step recovery for about 11 years, but I am fairly new to SA. Um, but what I've uh, kind of employed for myself around the men is uh, I am, when I'm in a vulnerable state, um, I'm more susceptible to be taken advantage of. Um, and then I've also recognized um, as a predator, because I, I identify as the, the prey and the predator sometimes, um, I can be attracted to vulnerable men. So typically for me, it's always been men that are coming out of marriages, separated, newly separated men, grieving men. Um, yeah, any man that... Uh, you know, was in an unhealthy marriage that wasn't getting his needs met by his wife. I had an attraction to that. Um, so for me, if I have any kind of attraction to the man physically or at a vulnerable level, um, I know I have to have a very strict boundary where I don't make eye contact. Um, I don't, sometimes I can't even go up and greet them. You know, I, I have to be on the other side of the room, whatever. Um, and, you know, this is new for me. I'm not very good at it yet, but I'm, I'm starting to be aware of the attractions, like picking up when I do feel an attraction. Sometimes it'll be in the sharing, you know, if they, sh like one of my last relationships, uh, a man shared at a meeting, um, I just found out my son has cancer. Well, it was like a magnet attraction for me. I ended up dating him, you know, for the whole time that his son was dying. And then uh, his son passed away. Oh, um, anyway, he ended up uh, having sex with his wife um, while we were dating after his son passed away. But, you know, I <laughs> it was such a delicate uh, situation. Anyway, um Vulnerability is a huge thing, um, so I just wanted to comment and be mindful of that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. 
And then Lim is exotic. Um, yeah, so for the most, I've been in the program for a year and a half, and for most of the time, I've been like the only woman or one of two. Um, and I feel like it's been like a really, like, good experience. It's really funny coming to like the international, really with like express purpose of like, you know, some underlying bitterness of like, there's no women, blah, blah, blah. And then I get here and I'm like completely like intimidated to try to talk to anybody. And I'm like, where's my guys? Like, I'm going to go stand, I'm going to go stand by the guys from my home group and talk to them because I know them. Um, so yeah, like it's, um, yeah, I think that for women that are listening, um, that don't go to meetings because there's men, I think that there's a lot of really, um, good men out there that are struggling, um, and that, like, um, yeah, it helps us recognize their humanity. There are times that I get crushes on people in the program just because, but I let it be just that. Um, and like, I'm, as I'm learning, you know, like, my emotions are gonna come and go, and so, um, I just continue to, like, cherish more the sacredness of that space and how important it is. I would never want to go in that space and feel uncomfortable um, or make someone else uncomfortable. And so um, just being aware of that. So that's all. Thanks. I'm Sarah, and I'm a sexolic. Um, when I first started coming to these, um, actually, before I started coming to the meetings, um, the way I found essay was I Googled um, to help with porn addiction. And essay came up, and I was like, okay, that's like the only group that's in Grand Island that I knew of at the time. And it took me about a month to even get the the courage to even email the, the people there. And, um, I have bad anxiety, <laughs> um, among other things. And and reason I had anxiety was, well, like pretty much everybody else in the room, I thought it was just going to be a bunch of old dudes. or <laughs> And, <laughs> yeah, uh, they weren't old. Some of them were, like, middle-aged, which... And I was just scared of them. Um, um, I have been through some trauma in the past as well. So I can't... Um, so guys were like these monsters to me, basically. But Except for my big brother. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, but uh, th- these guys now are like my buds. You know, we're best buds. We talked after the meetings, we talked before the meetings, uh, we joke around, we, and they've helped me get trust in guys back, and that's all I really have. Thank you. Come on. Okay, is there anybody else who wants to come up and share? Okay. 
Jackie Sexaholic here. Um, yeah, I'd just like to let you all know that um, even though we're far apart, you know, uh, we can still connect with each other. Um, there is a, 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 a sisters list. And if you'd like to get on that sisters list, you can contact uh, Seiko and uh, they will uh, forward your email address so that you can uh, get on the list and get that contact information. You know, so um, there is, we can get in contact with each other. Um, that's there. Um, so no, no need to despair. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, another thing that I'd like to say is that... Um, it doesn't depend on how many people there are around me. It's how much I want my sobriety. You know, I want to stay sober. And I'll do anything I can to stay sober. And with that, I'll uh, finish. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Okay, any, anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Uh, let's all stand and say the third step prayer. God, God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. I'm 
listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.